0: Hi friends, I'm Blue Mitchell, photographer, publisher, and now podcaster. You're listening to The Diffusion Tapes, a podcast where I chat with photographers, curators, and writers working in the field of fine art photography. More specifically, these tapes are conversations with people I've befriended on my journey as an artist and publisher. So now I get to learn a little more about these folks that I admire and respect, and I'm inviting you into our conversation. Welcome to The Diffusion Tapes. Well, here we are, folks, finally releasing our fourth diffusion tape. In this tape, I had a sit-down with Catherine Jacobs while she was visiting Portland this past December. I met Catherine through some of our mutual friends here in Portland. I came to learn that Catherine and I are both alumni from the Oregon College of Art and Craft. Sadly, they will be closing down their degree programs next month, but that's another story. In our chat, Catherine fills me in on her photo history, shares some stories, her challenges, and evidently, unpack some photography baggage. Please, listen in. So, here we are. I'm here with Catherine Jacobs. Catherine T. Jacobs. And we are in Portland, but Catherine actually has recently relocated. Where are you at now?
1: I'm in McCollumy Hill, California.
0: Call me here, which is where you grew up, right? It's
1: where I grew up. It's in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. So it's about an hour and 15 minutes outside of Sacramento. But um, the population is arguable, but um, less than 650 people. So it's a little small.
0: <laughs> it's a big change from being in Portland. Totally. You know?
1: But it's been nice. I've been staying really busy and going to... Sacramento and San Jose a lot.
0: So hmm. that's good. So. Getting your city fixed?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at an MFA program in San Jose. Oh, so. Okay.
0: MFA? So are you going to do photography? Yeah, it's
1: yeah. A, I've been looking at, like, California state programs. I'm not really interested in... I want a full ride. Oh, right. So yeah. uh, I'm looking for a graduate teaching fellowship, preferably at, like, a state school. Um, just better funding and... Yeah, and so San. I didn't realize... I, like, basically just looked up all the California state schools because um, I was thinking I'd go to, like, New Mexico or Arizona or somewhere in mm. Oregon. But since I've been in California, I'm kind of like, I kind of like it here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nice. And my family's all here. And it's good. So found out that San Jose State is, like, one of two of California state universities that offers a MFA specifically in photography. <laughs> so it's Cal State Fullerton, which is, like, outside of L.A. And yeah. then san jose state so i'm kind of into san jose nice there's palm trees and stuff
0: so So it is it would be a two-year program it's a three-year program i just
1: found out yeah so i sat in and they had like a advancement to candidacy program it was four MFA students in all different areas in their fifth semester. And they basically... Mm. So it was like, like a pre-thesis sort of thing. Like, yeah. here's our presentation. It was really cool to sit in on, and the faculty seems really engaged. I said a few things. Mm. I was joking with it. I was like on a date, and the food was terrible. But I like had to tell the date. I was like, I don't ever tell a waitress that the food is terrible because she has no control over the situation.
2: Right.
1: It has nothing to do with her, so... I just smile and I tip twenty percent and that's how it's gonna be if you wanna keep going on dates with me. (laughs) And but then I was in this like panel discussion, this MFA program with a bunch of people I didn't know and I'm like, but I do kind of tear people apart artistically. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, was, I just kind of noticed that about myself. And I've waited tables since I was like 15, but I've also done photography since I was 15. And I was telling a friend about that today, and she's like, well, art is something someone can change. You know, the way they make work and the way they talk about their work, that's mm-hmm. something they can change. And so I've always loved a critique.
0: Well, also, I think people would all agree that some food is bad, whereas art is subjective, right? Right, right, (laughs) right. I mean, some people love McDonald's and some people hate it, so I guess that's True, and
1: yeah, and some people love Jackson Pollock and some people hate it, so you know, (laughs) you can go either way, probably, but I just feel like it's less really about what the work looks like and your ability to convince me that things are intentional and they're Mm -hmm. for a reason, and so there was some art there that I was kind of, I don't know. I would think I was also trying to maybe make myself known to the department heads and stuff. But I was really <laughs> kind of like, I just really felt in my element and it was really fun. Right, and yeah, I re- comfort just, zone. It was just such a funny contradiction because I had just talked to this person about how I was like, I will never write a Yelp review. I will never complain to the waitress. Right. But I will tear you apart artistically <laughs> if you give me a second. So, I don't wow, know. that's interesting. <laughs> Not like to be cruel, but like... No,
0: but part of that is probably... You as a student, but also as a teacher, too. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. And I've told some people about that, like that I'm, I don't know, I'm a, I don't know if it's strict. I'm a little bit of a hard teacher. I hold people accountable and I push people. And so far it's been really a positive thing, but I was telling someone about it and they were kind of like, oh, wow, you really can't make people feel like their work isn't any good. And I'm like. You kind of can, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can, because everyone has something to make work about. Mm-hmm. And work is really only bad when it's not coming from like a genuine place, right. I feel like. So that's how my approach to education is. Helping my students access what they should be making work about and talking about that and really accessing a personal side of you because i feel like everybody has a story to tell and i feel like photography is a really great medium that's accessible to a lot of people but once you learn how to visually tell a story you can convey a lot or you can process a lot whether other people totally get it or not
0: I right right i appreciate photography where you can see the passion of the artists in the work which you know and that That could vary what that is, but knowing that it's important to them, Mm -hmm. not just uh, getting by or I'm just doing this to do it, right?
1: Right. Yeah. I'm making this to like check the boxes or something. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah.
0: Did I use the rule of thirds? (laughs) Right. Which is totally,
1: it's funny because photography is half science and half, I mean, it's like, it's a scientific process. So as an educator of photography, I feel like I have get people that are really into the science element and the, the rules and the mm-hmm. technique. And then it's also a very artistic medium. And so it's like you kind of, I don't know, I don't really feel like painting is the same way. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you may yeah. argue that maybe like ceramic or glass blowing is because it's actually right. like Technical, there's yeah. a technique mm-hmm. there's a skill set and then you kind of learn the rules to break the rules sort right. of thing but i've struggled a lot in teaching about whether or not i even want to talk about rule of thirds and right. yeah you need to know how to make a good exposure and stuff i don't always agree with that rule of thirds layout sure. yeah <laughs> like
0: well that's interesting let's let's back up then okay I'm curious to hear how you got into photography then. Was it more from a technical side or artistic or what drew you to it?
1: So I've always been like an artsy kid, I guess. Mm. Like always would draw pictures and everything. And um, when my parents separated they like sent me to a counselor and she would just let me paint pictures and Hmm. didn't even realize I was processing stuff so just always kind of been into that but I never really got any recognition I like remember maybe I wasn't the best drawer the best painter Hmm. and the best ceramic artist so photography was actually the first time that I had a teacher in high school who was like you're really good at this you need to keep doing this I like dropped out of calculus so I was like, I'm going to take another photo class. Almost failed chemistry because sometimes I'm like, how am I a photographer? How am I in the darkroom <laughs> all the time? How am I mixing chemicals? Because I, I borderline don't believe in chemistry. <laughs> like, How is that even a thing? So as a mother like, raising kids, it's like you really just need to encourage someone, whether you – I mean necessarily think they're that great at it so just that encouragement Mm -hmm. really enabled me to be like wow this is something I really enjoy doing and then I went to art school so I like convinced my family to kind of let me go they were like this is dumb this is a lot of money this is you're gonna regret it I was uh really adamant about being able to have access to lots of different media, really wanted to do glass blowing and ceramics. So I went to California College of the Arts because it was basically the only school that really encompassed all of that. And basically my first semester I had this really amazing professor who I wish her first name is Mariella and I can't remember her last name. But she taught darkroom and I was able to like skip the beginning class and go straight to second year just based on experience in high school and stuff, just fell in love with silver printing there. And then I was like, okay, photography is where I'm going to go. And she just had this way of teaching it that I feel like I teach in her similar style. You know, she's very engaged. She looks at your work. She tells you, okay, go to three and a half, add three seconds. You know, right, like really right. just like mm-hmm. can look at an image and tell you what needs to change. That's just something I've been perfecting just by, you know, hours and hours and hours of darkroom printing. Right, but
0: right. I had a similar professor in college, too, Did you? Where, yeah, I ended up being her TA after my first year. We just got along so well. Right. But also, she was real good about just looking at a print saying, this is what you need to do. Right. And then I just kind of mimicked her as a TA. I can do what she's doing. What would right? she say? What would yeah. she <laughs> say? Yeah. And actually, she uh, went out on maternity leave, and they didn't have anyone, like a substitute to fill in. So I was actually... Running the class for uh, probably wasn't that long, but it seemed like a lot of a uh, right. burden for a student,
1: right? 12 weeks is maternity <laughs> leave, yeah. No, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, I, I think they got somebody in there, but I think at first I was doing all of it. But but I also I thought took it as a compliment that they thought that I could handle it, really. yeah.
1: Where was that at? It was
0: Montana State, okay, Bozeman, Montana, yeah, okay, that's where I started. Photog- I actually started in their film program, right? And then photography was a Requirement. Okay, and that was actually the first exposure I had to like darkroom photography. No
1: pun intended.
0: Right. No. <laughs> like, I do that all the time.
1: <laughs> Photo references. <laughs> well, that makes sense about this. Like your kind of audio component. For me, I'm like film. People are always like, "Oh, yeah, you do photography. Oh, you should do film." I'm like, I don't think that way. I don't think mm. in moving pictures at all.
0: Like, yeah, yeah, I've always thought I'd I'd get back into film at some point. Yeah. Maybe, maybe still. You can yeah,
2: yeah. Why not? <laughs> well, i'll allow it yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i enjoyed it but i think what i liked about photography was the immediacy and that i could do it alone i didn't have to have a team of people that i i could just go produce work be very productive and not have to depend on other people to do stuff
1: absolutely which
0: I was a bit of a loner in that way like i don't i mean i'd like groups but it's hard for me to work in groups
1: right Oh, yeah.
0: Even in my day job, I have trouble with that. Like, I like working alone.
1: Totally. Yeah. No, I was like a swimmer, which is like a totally solitary sport. Right.
0: Not necessarily a team sport. Totally. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was just telling a friend about glass blowing. They were like, Oh, have you done, done glass blowing? I'm like, Yeah, but you really have to like rely on like other people to help you. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, probably a glass blower listening to this is going to be like, She's not She's talking about. (laughs) But in my experience, it was like you kind of depend on someone to help you like actually blow, help you catch the piece and all this stuff. And I was just like, I can't handle that stress to be the person that someone else relies on. And I don't want to have to require someone else to be present for me to make my work, which is kind of funny because I use a lot of models, but we talked about self portraits like a minute ago. You can take a picture of whatever's in front of you if you feel that compulsion I guess. yeah
0: compulsion the immediate <laughs> yeah like, gratification of being able to make a picture
1: totally yeah that's
0: yep. true so you got into doing four by five large format photography did that start in college or? yeah
1: that yeah. happened at cca so chris johnson is this i think i think he's still teaching there but he taught like a lighting four by five class okay. so it was all about studio lighting, and it was all done four by five film, hmm. color or black and white. So it was really tedious. Prior to that, I think I had done like a it was like a zone system, but it was all like thirty five millimeter or medium format class. It was mm-hmm. like a it was a mural printing class where they also tried to teach the zone system, oh. which I was super mural printing but i was like I, how the heck am i gonna learn the zone system right. on 35 millimeter i just don't believe in that <laughs> <laughs> and so then i took that four by five class here is what they're talking about right. here's a single image mm-hmm. and here's how you can change it with these variables you know right. and so i just learned a lot that way I didn't do very good in the studio lighting. In hindsight, I'm like, wow, I really should have applied myself in that class. But <laughs> I <laughs> was like 19. And, right. you know. But I w- would check out a 4x5 a lot and I would take it down to Santa Cruz to visit a friend who was going to UC Santa Cruz and just take pictures on the beach and stuff. And we actually went to this nude beach because I was working on like a project. And so I was doing tests with Polaroid mm-hmm. and this guy, a totally naked guy on the nude beach was like, hi, this camera is so cool. What are you doing? Would you take my portrait? I was like, yeah, I I guess. And so I just took a Polaroid shot of him and he was like, so thrilled to just like have his photograph taken with that camera. Hmm. That was something that I never had. No one cares if you take their picture with a 35, 35 you know, or or digital, like people are so used to that. Mm hmm. So that whole process was really amazing. And he, like, took the Polaroid, totally naked from, like, the knees up. And he was like, I'm going to give this to my mom. I was like, okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's <laughs>
1: interesting. to <you> do. <laughs> so it was just, like, this really surreal experience. But I was like, wow, people want this. Like, people want their portrait taken.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think I, like, didn't have the confidence that, like, oh, wow, people want their portrait taken by me, but I was very able to be, like, well, people want their portrait taken by this camera. Right. And so I started taking portraits of people whenever I could with that camera, and that's kind of evolved into projects. Did
0: you approach strangers, or were you doing friends?
1: Yeah, so that happened probably around the time that I decided to move to Portland. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Portland. I found Blue Moon Camera right away. I bought a $300 dollars 4 by 5 and just was taking pictures. I went to PCC and like took a darkroom class there because I just wanted access to a darkroom. Right. And I was like, I don't think I'm going back to art school. I don't know what I'm doing. And would just take pictures and would buy Type 55 which was like a Mm positive-negative Polaroid film, and just take portraits of friends. I just remember going to camping trips and like busting it out and my, you know, just taking it kind of like, almost like a photo booth kind of vibe. And then I started going to Oregon College of Art and Craft and I kind of just kept up that, practice of taking portraits and then Polaroid announced that they were discontinuing and I was like had kinda had this dream of like doing this portrait project across the country and so when they announced they were discontinuing, I was like talked to my really good friend Ursula Barton and was like I don't know what to do. I'm so bummed we won't get to do this trip and she's like, let's just do it. And mm-hmm. so they announced it in April and we were on the road by June.
0: So was that the American Strangers? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. So huh. So those are all, not everyone there is a complete stranger, but people that we stayed with or met or, like, word of mouth. Someone was like, oh, yeah, go stay with my friend. But mostly it was people that we, like, saw on the street. And, yeah, so it was all all with type 55. So I kept the negative and gave everyone the positive. positive.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, I noticed in that series you have such a gamut of styles of people in the photos and even and in some mostly clothed but there was I noticed that one was nude I was curious if you found him like that or if he decided
1: Um or is yeah. that a woman is there's there a woman? one woman there's one woman who's nude and she was actually my, That's co- what I'm thinking of my college roommate and so we were on her prop she like lived out in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania oh, Okay. I think I had taken nudes of her back in college so I think she was like let's just like kind She's of do that yeah. but I haven't seen her since then we also went to the Rainbow Festival and there were people just need get there right, so there's right. a couple nudes
0: well, that stood out because i was like if these are strangers this one person was nude yeah versus all <laughs> these are the ones that aren't right
1: so, so she was an, a, you know it's she was queens. someone i i knew i mm-hmm. hadn't seen in years and we stayed with her there right. so that one maybe that's a cheat maybe I <laughs> have <another> one, so. <laughs>
0: or she's just right. strange well, yeah, I haven't seen her since.
1: Now we're definitely strangers. <laughs> right. but, but yeah, and she was kind of strange. Yeah. No. Interesting. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, did you, have you tried that new type fifty five? No, no, I'm over it. Yeah. I. <laughs> so you shooting all this film now? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah just shoot film now. Sure. I don't know. It probably took thousands. I mean of pictures with type 55 i think it's cool go for it i don't yeah. need that anymore though yeah 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 been there done that yeah. yeah yeah i know i have my ex-husband bought me some type 55 for christmas a few years ago and was like really excited to give it to me and i was mm-hmm. kind of like i don't want this <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like you thanks, know? no thanks yeah it was kind of <laughs> like like an old like sock or something
0: like no this is no interesting you've evolved beyond it like you you've kind of done that
1: right and i don't mind seeing it you know i mean it's a very identifiable look Mm -hmm. style but i and sometimes i see stuff people that are using it and i'm like oh yeah that's beautiful but Mm. i have no need for that in my work currently
0: so you shot i don't know how the sequence of things but your it's called stepmotherhood series Mm -hmm. was that film
1: That's all filmed. Yeah, that started. Did that
0: come after the other series?
1: Yeah, so American Strangers was from two. I mean, we left in 2008, June 2008, and it was. Six months to do the lower 48, and Mm. we got back in December. And then later in 2009, we drove to Alaska in July. That took a month, and then didn't make it to Hawaii until 2010, right before I got my BFA. So, and that was my like thesis project at Oregon Culture, Art, and Craft. And then, you know, when you graduate from college and you're like,
2: fuck. (laughs) Now know, what? <laughs> life. Yeah.
1: And I remember, I remember those like months, like right when I was wrapping everything up, I was really hoping that American Strangers Project would take off or something, oh, you know, right, it was just like, right. a lot of the feedback I got from it was like, wow, this is a real grand project mm-hmm. for your undergraduate work. And I yeah. was like, yeah, there's no way this can't like,
0: yeah, the fact that you traveled and yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. committed.
1: I made, with the help of my friend Nick Musso, I made 50 wooden boxes. So it was like an installation that mm-hmm. you could open up these shadow boxes that all had the photos. It was just very much like, I don't know, I could have easily just hung up 50 pictures. That project was so much about getting from place to place. The portraits only told half the story, I felt sure, like. Yeah. So, yeah, so like then I graduated from college and I, I just remember that crash by October. After you graduate, I was just like, I don't know how you make money doing this. Right, like, that's right. the thing about art school; they don't really teach you the, you know, how to run your own business or right. you know. So like, it's just not something that I was ever
0: taught. I had a very similar experience when yeah. I, I had that high. of, <laughs> It took me a while to get through school, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd gone to several schools, and finally, went, I went to the Oregon College of Art and Craft, and I went there. For three years, actually. And then... Uh, for your undergrad? Or yeah. The, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, I was older than most of the people <laughs> when I graduated. Yeah. <laughs> actually, no, that, that's, that college had pretty diverse It does. Students. I
1: was actually really young. I was 19
0: when I started there. So I yeah. was like one of the younger... We were always shocked when there was a 19-year-old. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're so young. How
1: would you figure this out? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. It
0: took yeah. me a long time to get there. But yeah, but I had that high when it... Right around graduating and finishing a thesis. Oh, my God, I finally got through college. It wasn't just, right. I'm finishing college. Like, I finally got through college. It's right. a whole different experience. But then the summer was great because I worked at the camps right. at OCAC with the kids and taught photo and with high schoolers, and that was great. And then, yeah, getting into the fall after that was, like, a major crash because I didn't know how to make money doing this stuff. Right. And I didn't have a job, and I started doing more commercial work i was shooting architecture interiors exteriors and actually tried to do a couple weddings and that was a huge mistake
1: well you're probably making all that stuff i mean i just know what i was taught in art school was not actual like most of it was not technical photography no no like skill-based photography no hireable (laughs) <laughs> now employable skills right like, yeah yeah, was like, yeah
0: I had to teach myself yeah. you know I didn't I had a 35 millimeter camera and I'm trying to shoot architecture so I had to get that tilt shift lens for it mm-hmm. so I could actually make it work correctly right which I should have just had a large format camera or something but
2: I mean
1: I, yeah
0: you know I've always been a photographer for a long time but I've always been intimidated by large format and I'm not very good at it either
1: interesting so you have yeah. done it but you yeah I, I've done it, it. yeah
0: mm. I have that feeling like uh, when I see someone shooting large format in the wild. Mm-hmm. If I'm out in the wild and I see someone, I, f- I just freak out. I'm like, oh my God, I got to go talk to them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like a celebrity or something? Yeah. yeah. They,
0: that, and it's about the camera, <laughs> like you were saying. The camera is the celebrity, not it necessarily totally the person, but the camera. doesn't really matter who's I'm operating. Like, it. Oh, I got to go look at that camera.
1: Yeah. So that's the funny thing about large format is people are like, well, you start at four by five you can go to eight by 10. And like, you, like right. some people are really like all about the size. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm not really a size queen in that way. But like, it's size like doesn't matter. yeah, but, like, <laughs> but the four by so the four by five, I'm like, this is like large format, but it's manageable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, you know, I took a rail camera to all 50 states. It wasn't easy. It mm-hmm. was limiting. So me imagining doing that with like 8x10 or even had some friends that made like 16x20 cameras mm. or, you know, I was just like, I'm not interested in going any bigger. And I really like being in the dark room and so 4x5 is really kind of in between. Mm. But large format for me was when I take portraits like digitally or commercially, like for commercial work, I go way too fast. I make mm. a lot more mistakes because I'm so used to taking 4 by 5 the reason that I still shoot that way and I still make my portraits that way is because I feel like because of the time that it takes, that space between when you start composing the photo and when you actually take the photo, the person who's modeling for you has completely dissolved all anxiety. Or Mm -hmm. like whenever anyone tries to take my picture I feel like I make the worst face and Mm -hmm. I hate every picture of myself but if someone gave me the space to sort of just settle then I can be my authentic self. Sure. So that's why I still shoot 4x5 and continue to make projects, portrait-based projects with large format.
0: Yeah, well, I've I've always appreciated that because I feel like what you're creating is not just a photograph, but you're creating an experience. So it's that moment of uh, you and the model or whoever who's sitting for you. Right. Have that sort of bond in that moment. Totally. And I think, um, well, I know from your work, it shows through models. Not everybody is that way, but my favorite work is the stuff you can see that that change in whoever it is. It could be a friend. Right. It could be a model, whatever the case may be. But there's definitely a little bit more of an intimacy there, and it's almost like an echo of the moment. hmm You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's more of an exchange, I guess. It's like, I don't know if I necessarily love the word collaboration. I know a lot of models that are like, it's a collaboration. And it's like, well, it is, but I don't know. You kind of peel away the first skin of the onion or something and are mm-hmm. able to see, I don't know, we all put up those barriers. And photography is a really vulnerable thing to model for, I think. Oh yeah. I've done sure. a lot of modeling for friends and I don't know. That's one thing people ask a lot. They're like, how do you get people to like take off their clothes for you? Because <laughs> I take off my clothes for people too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. You just kind of got to reciprocate. right?
2: Yeah.
1: Or take off my clothes for myself. You have to put yourself in that situation to be able to ask someone to put themselves there.
0: Yeah, for sure. That makes total sense. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads into your newer work, which I think is a, <laughs> I guess you could call it art therapy. Um, yeah. So your new work is called Heavy Handed. What I'm noticing in the progression of the work, and we'll backtrack in a second, but I'm noticing where we were talking about that, the intimacy with the sitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing some of this new work of yours, It feels like it's evolving, and it's not just about what you're going through in your life, but also there's this kind of drama that I'm seeing in the work that I feel there's a bit of intimacy that's creeping in that I don't know how that is part of your vision, but I'm really appreciating. I'm thinking of one image in particular of a male model, and there's a sheet or something, and then hands coming around the sheet, I find that image to be one of the most striking of yours that I've seen. Mm. And I think it's relatively new. It says so much more than what I think your initial goal was. So I just wanted to say that I'm appreciating how, even though you have a specific focus, that it's becoming more universal and it feels like it's opening up the way you're shooting cool. and how you're addressing it. That's great. So can you tell us more about Heavy Handed and yeah. how that kind of pop
1: Yeah. So... In September 2017, I, like, started just having numbness in my legs and up my body and turned in, like, a whole cuff of my body. I saw a bunch of doctors and got a bunch of blood work done. And it, MRIs, they thought I maybe had, like, a bulging disc in my spine. And then those MRI orders got turned into brain MRI orders. So I was basically, over the course of, like, three months of, more than that, almost six months of different doctors and neurologists. after you had your
0: child. Yeah, had- I
1: was seven months Postpartum from my daughter. Yeah. So she was still a little baby and that was hard. Like getting an MRI, you can't nurse if you Mm. are going to get the dye. So it was like, it was just, it was a pretty rough time to go to and sort through all that so I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And so all during that time from that September, when I first started to experience numbness, I was working with Lyceum Portland. Mm -hmm. And so we were teaching classes and working with students. And so, and working with a model, basically once a month minimum, I was just constantly having access to models and I was really trying to work through what I was going through. So as much as that work is about my diagnosis and my learning that I, you know, have a disability and i'm gonna live with multiple sclerosis for the rest of my life and i need to be on medication and you know just a lot of things like probably won't ever have any more children all Mm. these things that i'm like facing that work is really maybe feels like it's evolved because it literally was like being made through all of that at the same time you're discovering this mm -hmm. about yourself so it was like some of those early images i don't know i'm Mm -hmm. just making a portrait about the fear and the confusion or, or the literal sensation that I feel in my body. Mm. Like, why are my hands numb? You know? Mm-hmm. And so like they really started like being really hand oriented. And then at the same time, subconsciously, I I really wanted to make work with multiple hands. So my hands have been numb since for a year. Um, they're just Chronically, kind of like pins and needles feeling. Mm-hmm. I still have a lot of strength and like I'm super lucky actually I can like use them and that they're both the same amount of numbness. Mm. For a while one was numb and one wasn't. That was really hard uh. to cut an onion. It was right, like really yeah. scary. So, so I've just, I thought I was making work about a sort of hands and agility and ability and disability, all of that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, my marriage was, definitely dissolving kind of not something i knew was really going on Mm. but so i started working with couples or like people wanted multiple models because in that image that you're talking about so that's a couple two men and one's a dancer and Mm. they are both just so very i mean they that was definitely felt like collaborative because they are just so really wanting to participate with each other and Mm. with me and make something beautiful So, I was really drawn to that and like felt like I had a click. Like, I really want to work with couples or friends or people that are able to touch each other because Mm. we just made better images that way. And then, like, when my marriage, like, finally, like, when all this stuff kind of happened, I found out a bunch of kind of terrible stuff and infidelity and all of these things. I was like, oh my God, I've been making work about intimacy. I haven't even really, maybe this work isn't even about my disability this mm-hmm. work is about love and loss and feeling disconnected you know and so like now that i'm totally out of that situation i'm like oh <laughs> like i see that work so differently
0: <laughs> i was curious that's why i brought it up because yeah it, it seemed like there was something else happening there so.
1: yeah that honestly mm-hmm. like if you had asked me five months ago i would have been like no nope, this is about this right, so right. now i look at it i'm like oh no that's so different so
0: mm. That's what's nice about art therapy. Though. Isn't it crazy?
1: <laughs> Which feels silly when you like, well, subconsciously I was doing this, you know, like, right, you're right. like, if you're not making work with intention, that doesn't count. And it's like, no, your brain knows a lot more, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. So it's that. Actually, you
0: were making it with intention, you just weren't conscious of it, right? right? And like,
1: <laughs> you know, that whole dissolving of that relationship as well as, Really, literally being able to hold things in my hand that I've made while processing has taught mm-hmm. me a lot about trusting my intuition. Because it's just so clear to me now that you knew stuff before you knew it. Right. I don't know. Yeah. So you were making it. I was You're making, making it, it, it on paper, oh, yeah. you know, or like on film. Here's a negative of it. Right. So. Yeah. Where I'm located now, you know, I don't have access to the models and the friends mm. and all that stuff. So I'm probably going to go in a more self-portrait direction right now, just because that's what I've got. Right. But, um,
0: yeah. You don't have that big network you had in Portland.
1: I had a really big, great network in Portland, and that's it's totally something. that was really a hard decision to leave, but it's also something I know I can, I can always tap back into or Mm -hmm. a lot of the models that i've worked with too are traveling models and you know my friends have been really great and moved you know drove me down and built me a dark room and you know (laughs) i've got a good so i'm so grateful for portland and the amazing photo community that's here but it's i don't need it in the same way you know i don't need someone to hold my hand in the same way where i maybe needed a few years ago sure so
0: yeah, I've always been scared of leaving Portland for that reason. Like, leaving that network of people. And then I realized, like, well, those people, I mean, my network is it's kind of infinite. So you, d- you don't have to be about location, necessarily.
1: Totally. And, like, with the internet and Instagram, mm-hmm. everything, I'm like... And you
0: stay connected with people. Right.
1: This isn't even... Still
0: work with them and mm-hmm. do podcasts when you come to Right. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel that... Heavy-handed, is is that going to continue in the way it is? And uh, you said you're going to do self-portraits, or will it be something new for you?
1: So heavy-handed, you know, kind of started as these s- silver prints. And then, you know, the more research and the more I learned about multiple sclerosis, the more I realized that it that it really couldn't be in silver. And some mm-hmm. of the images I feel like are a little bit hard to experience in such a literal black-and-white clean print so i started doing cyanotypes and just hand coating and like really really connected to that uh like visceral kind of quality and drippiness that i was getting by hand painting watercolor paper Mm. or fabric and i still really want to like i really want to do weavings and Mm. then like cyanotype print on them and then kind of destroy them i don't know mm. i don't know you know those mm-hmm. things you're like i have these ideas and you say them out loud and you're like don't tell anyone about that <laughs> you need to see it before you can right. tell anyone about it right. so i have a lot of things i want to do and i got really comfortable with cyanotypes and i think that it's actually i don't love the color blue but no offense to your name but no. <laughs> um you know it gets kind of hard it gets repetitive and i love silver gelatin and i'm super passionate about printing and printing well and mm-hmm. making quality work so it's been a really great removal so multiple sclerosis sometimes it has a direct correlation to vitamin d deficiency mm-hmm. so that was really important for me to use this like uv printing process mm, right. and really like be in the sun and so now that i'm in california i feel less like i need yeah, to like absorb sun. the sun all the time <laughs> but i still feel like there's a place for me to work with cyanotypes, but I've started making more silver prints now at my darkroom in California. And so I might have a, a project that's more based on the intimacy hmm. side of how that project evolved that probably isn't called Heavy Handed.
2: Sure.
1: And I think I'm going to have a solo show here in Portland where I'm a little bit more drawn to printing that work. So, hmm. But you know how photography is. It's kind of hard. I work so much with nudity. Sometimes it can be really difficult for me to find like a venue or an avenue to right. show it mm-hmm, or even yeah. on the internet, like right, yeah. constantly getting stuff taken down, even when I think I've edited it, like mm-hmm. censored it enough. So sad. yeah. So I'm really just kind of focusing on figuring out how to write about the work that I've already made, but also feel compelled to make new stuff.
0: Is that the hard part of the writing about it? It is a pretty personal thing right now.
1: Yeah. You know, I, Instagram's a really good forum for me because I can either write nothing or write six paragraphs, Mm. you know? And I get responses a lot from people that they really appreciate their writing. And I feel Mm. like if I do writing, I get a lot more likes or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. I feel like I'm, I like to write about my work. And it's when I teach, I teach, I always incorporate an artist statement because... Even if it's just, it's more about being able to have an elevator speech about what your work's about. Right. Because if you can't give me a three sentences about why you make it and what it means and why I should give a shit, then right. maybe you shouldn't make it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So no, the writing about it not hard for me, but it it's a little more formal when I'm thinking about like master's programs and stuff like that. Oh right. Yeah. So. Writing You're about thinking it, next steps. So. Yeah, so I can talk about myself, but I can't sell myself. I guess mm-hmm. that's the difference. So I'm not a businesswoman, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but. but you are. So all you have to do is be able to write about it, right? And that'll sell itself, right? I so, think that's all that matters.
1: I'm very pro learning how to talk about yourself, but I'm really bad at like pricing. You know, if someone find out someone likes my work, I'm kind of like, oh my God, take it. <laughs> <laughs> Please have it. It needs a home. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's been homeless this whole time. It needs <laughs> you. <So. laughs>
0: well, I think we could all take a pricing classes. Yes. <laughs> You did a whole motherhood project, but it was really about stepmother, being a stepmother. So what about being a mother now? Right. I mean, how does that play into things?
1: So the stepmotherhood project, you started to ask me about that. It was in 2015. And at that point, I had been with my now ex-husband. We had just been dating since 2010. And so when I met him, uh, my stepdaughter was... The age that my daughter Paloma is now, so mm. under two. True. You know, I taught her how to read and potty trained her, and you know, was super involved. We had fifty-fifty custody. You know, saw mm. her all the time and really felt this connection to her. But we didn't have like a. I didn't have a word. So my parents divorced when I was eight and never remarried. Mm. So I had no concept of what step parenting was so i started doing that stepmotherhood project because i was really just trying to discover what a stepparent was what a stepmother was mm-hmm. what that role meant so i photographed stepmothers and their stepchildren so no bio children and no partners and uh with four by five so it was very like you know formal i started mm-hmm. in color film and then i got the regional arts and culture council grant to continue that project just based on the funding i was like if i really wanted. to you know, get the amount of families I want to get. I should do black and white. It was just more accessible. Mm -hmm. And found, like, a lot of families on Craigslist I made this ad that was a female photographer in search of stepmothers and their Mm. stepchildren. It's very similar to the American Stranger Project in in the way that it was, like, you know, sight unseen, people unseen, I'm going to go and take their portrait. And it was really informative for me because I met a lot of different families with a lot of different issues and a lot of different experiences and I witnessed a lot of love and a lot of compassion because mostly the people that want their portrait taken have a pretty good relationship. So that proved to be a little bit difficult for me because I wanted a little bit more I wasn't trying to just be like, oh, look at Stepmother Yeah, You wanted
0: the full gamut of experience. I
1: wasn't really trying to make a project that was like, look at us. We're heroes, you know? But it was like, (laughs) that project didn't land in the way I needed it to. It's just like a thing that happened with American Strangers, too. I just didn't ever feel like people got it or, or like it had the impact I needed it to. You don't resonate with that unless you've gone through it or have a stepmother or whatever so
0: well also like you said you're only representing half the story too exactly. you know i guess the other technique would be to get writing from people because they're not going to have the pictures if people aren't getting along right Totally. Um, so yeah it's hard as i've run into that as a photographer is how i have these great ideas but i, I have a really hard time translating it into actual photographs right like how do you do that, right. you know? How do you tell that story? And a lot of times, I think, I think people that can write can can do it in writing. But how do you do that as a photographer and mm-hmm. with writing? I mean, I guess you can make a book or something, but it's it's a challenge, I think.
1: And that's everyone's advice is like, I'm like, oh, I'm having a hard time with this project landing, and they're like, oh, make a book. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I want to make a book? I want people to just get it, you know? Right. But right. not everyone that looks at pictures reads your artistry. So we either. need to be
0: like super rich. And then pay those people goals a bunch of money to stand next to each other, even though they don't like each yeah. other. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah,
1: we hate each other. Take our picture. Which I just was hoping that would organically <laughs>
0: happen. Yeah.
1: Happen, and it never really did. So, so, to answer your question, I use photography a lot, and like going back to that art therapy thing is like when I'm going through something, I do a project, I make work about it whether I always know what I'm making at the time isn't always the answer. So the stepmother project kind of just organically happened as this way for me to process my relationship with my stepdaughter. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel the need to do that with my baby right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's not even two. So I did some, you know, like 35 millimeter of her in the house when she was eight months old and, I think about photographing her, but she's not at the age yet. I don't know. I thought about how, if I'll take some pictures of her, I'm taking my stepdaughter down for Christmas and thought how I want to take some portraits of her. Hmm. And that's the problem with four by five now is I feel like it's not a real picture unless it's four by five.
0: You have a little baggage, Catherine. I know.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> Photographer <again>. to baggage. <laughs> what is the title of this episode? Is it like Catherine and her baggage? Yeah. <laughs> I found this tumbleweed on the side of the road, I wanted to do like some like Carrie Mae Weems sort of mm-hmm. kitchen table series. But mm. like me and this tumbleweed, we were in a relationship mm, <laughs> or something. Nice. And I was like, wow, that'd be really hard to do with 4 by 5 Maybe you should just do it digitally and oh. just have fun with it. But I would never. <laughs> like, I can't, just doesn't
0: feel the same I not I haven't
1: brought myself to do that yet, even though I know people don't know the difference can't tell the difference well depends on who you talk to right i mean <laughs> we can <laughs> but like as like
0: i think that you're right though the general public right it doesn't matter necessarily to but also that
1: might be a really lame project so maybe don't
0: well worry, you never talking. know yeah that's the thing <laughs> yeah. if if you're not passionate mm. about it right exactly. then it's not going to translate
1: exactly you know? I'm pretty into this tumbleweed I found, but <laughs> I don't know if you'll, gonna, figure, yeah, it. you'll figure, figure it. Yeah, I'll figure it out. out. <laughs> so I know I will get to a point where I photograph my daughter, my biological daughter, and I'll probably always photograph my stepdaughter. But sure. I, I'm not really going through my my baggage. is not with my daughter right, at this right. point, so. <laughs> that's where instagram's funny too is it's like i do i take pictures of her every day Mm -hmm. with my phone so that's funny like they don't feel like real real pictures they don't feel like art Mm -hmm. i'm still documenting her daily i don't know if that answers your question (laughs) yeah no i
0: was curious because i hadn't seen anything Mm -hmm. i have a similar struggle with my kids you know there's a lot of my favorite photographers they shoot their own kids and they do amazing work and I'm always like, how come I don't do that? And I do document my kids all the time. Right. And I find different ways to do it. I've been taking Polaroids lately of the kids, and those have become way more precious to me than any other photo I've shot of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm realizing that maybe it's because it's too accessible. It's this, you know, it's a phone or it's a digital camera. And then when I'm taking these Polaroids, these are one-of-a-kinds. And for some reason, it has this timelessness. It captures them in this moment way differently than any other camera that I've used with the kids. Mm -hmm. So I'm realizing, okay, it has something to do with the equipment and the type of photo that I'm doing. What I like about it is they're just snapshots, Mm -hmm. literal Polaroid snapshots of them doing whatever they're doing. They have this immediate history to them. An immediate object, you know, that I don't have with any of my other photographs.
1: There's something about that forcible print, because you can make a negative, you don't ever have to show anybody, you know, like, (laughs) even though it is more of a tangible thing, and it's more of a process. And I think that I do think that there's more intention with film photography a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. But I was thinking about that too. Just a friend gifted me a Polaroid camera, but it's the digital. It's not Polaroid. It's the Instax or whatever. So oh, you can yeah. d- you can choose to print. And I find myself being like, that doesn't count in the city. Si-, you know, it's like not the same, I just yeah. find myself. I don't.
0: You're still curating your shots. Totally. Right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Or I mean, yeah. With with a Polaroid that you're like, this is gonna be printed. I'm going to have to face the reality of this. <laughs> makes it more real. I yeah. think it makes you take better photos. I think it makes you more connected to the image even if it's like an image like if you took that digitally you might be like I'll never look at that again. Right. But because it's like become this object. Right. I know. When I it know.
0: happens in the moment too. It's a totally different experience. Totally.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've actually made a, I had this leather photo book that my mother-in-law gave me years ago. It's just been sitting in my dark room forever and I realized, hey, I can put my Polaroids in it. Now it has purpose. And suddenly it's like, oh, I have a precious object. If there's ever a fire in my house, I'm grabbing that.
1: Right. <laughs> right. You're like, wedding album? Nah. This. Yeah. Right.
0: Polaroids of my kids. So yeah. That's right. what's going with me. I
1: have Polaroids tucked into, like, every frame photo around oh, the right? house. <laughs> like, just kind of, like, tucked into the corner. I'm like, you're not precious enough to frame, but you're mm-hmm. something that's important enough to have around. All right, and Yeah. that's beautiful too. I don't know. That was the cool thing about type 55 and that trip. It was like, I don't actually care about the positive, Mm. but the person was like, so excited. So excited. Yeah. You know, well, it's
0: nice because you could share it. Right. Totally. And immediately you get this and I get this.
1: It all goes back to probably my own, insecurity, like, no one cares if I take their photo, but they care if this camera takes their photo. Nobody wants to model for you unless they get something out of it. That was my baggage going into that <laughs> project. <laughs> but it to, it was really great to feel like there was a trait, you know? Because, because some of those people I never would ever speak to again, right. yeah. or ever have any contact with, it felt like I couldn't just take something from them you know photography is soul sucking from the subject literally (laughs) at
0: least they get to keep some of it yeah Yeah.
1: exactly here's your soul back
0: since you shoot a lot of nudes you kind of talked about how that has its drawbacks you and I had a artist talk last April Mm -hmm. on the same day. And one of the things I was talking about in my artist talk, and I realized I might've offended our friend, Ray Bidigan who shoots nudes because I said, I don't want to be that guy that just shoots nudes. But my point was, if you're going to shoot nudes, you need to do them well and you need to have, you know, a good intention behind it. And Ray Bidigan of all people. He
1: does both of those. He does it well. Yeah, He's the master. (laughs) Like you're like, uh, if you have a question about anything, call Ray also (laughs) does everything with respect and love and struggles and you can see it
0: in the images so that's the thing for me is like can you see the difference in the images I have an old book that's all all female photographers that shot nudes but you can tell in that book there's definitely a different feeling to then uh, comparing it to some of the more famous men that shoot female nudes there's there's definitely this aesthetic difference and often in times I feel like that has a lot to do with what you were talking about earlier was setting the model at ease and giving them time to kind of like get rid of that edginess that they have mm-hmm. and, whereas they're just posing and be and being treated more like you know gays,
1: right, yeah, <laughs> well, a lot of models that I work with are also you know there's like suicide girls or pin up and there's just a different aesthetic or there's a lot of that want you to crouch on all fours and stick out your butt, and mm-hmm. you know so it's right. like when they realize. A, what I'm even asking them to do. B, what what about the nudity is even significant? Right. That's something that me and a lot of Ray Bidding and included people just struggle with that. Why do we care about the nudity? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think it's a level of intimacy, vulnerability, humanity. I think you kind of touched on it a little bit. There's a fine line between like theatrics and art I don't want the work to be too theatrical so like some models are really into like costumes and makeup Mm, and stuff and I don't necessarily want that I want like a very realistic portrayal of like who you are as a human being and so yeah so the nudity is never about sex it's not sexual and that is something that I've heard a lot from a lot of people a lot of viewers a lot of people that aren't photographers that see my work and are kind of like oh she does nudes cool oh these are different. Mm-hmm. These just feel different. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different techniques you can do. Body hair is really helpful because it takes away that sort of pornographic element of mm-hmm. it. Sure. But I do struggle with that. Like some people just find out you do nudity and you don't know, like my aunt joked at a holiday party that I do softcore porn and it was like, That's not funny to me. But, mm. you know, like I don't think that nudity is pornographic. And that's actually like a pretty big soapbox that I stand on daily and fight against on Instagram Mm -hmm, and social media. And after having a child and breastfeeding in public, it's just like, I just don't feel that way. I don't feel like nudity is always sexual. and I don't feel like nude photographs are porn.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, Catherine, I'm really happy that you came to visit Portland so we could do this. My intention with these podcasts is to do all of them in person so i'm really glad you came back to town because yeah. you run my my top 10 list oh, of portlanders how since flattering. i don't travel that much
1: yeah so, yeah
0: um, so yeah i'm really happy that you're able to come into town
1: me too it's an honor it's great excited mm-hmm. thank you for doing this and i'm excited to hear all your other interviews with
0: yeah me too the,
1: the other <laughs> top 10 you know
2: yeah <laughs>
0: yeah we'll see how it goes awesome well thank you um,
1: thank you blue mm-hmm. okay
0: Okay, thank you for checking out the diffusion tapes. I don't have much to say for afternotes on this one. We kind of covered everything in the conversation. I will note, though, that it was a fun and fluid conversation, and I enjoyed getting to hear Catherine's story. We all have stories, good and bad, but I do enjoy discovering what makes people tick, and then how they pour that into their art. And on another side note, I'll be reviewing portfolios, recording some podcast sessions, and generally having a good time later this month at Photo Lucida. I'm looking forward to seeing some of our listeners there, so I'll see you then. In my next tape, we'll be talking all kinds of trash with Ray Bidigan. Because I'm already I'm sort of paying for the house, so it's not an additional expense, and it just feels like a uh, home and a place for me to make my work. Well, and access is nice. You know, being able to—I don't have to go across town or something. You just go downstairs. They don't even have to be dressed, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs>